Welcome to the X-Men Files, a podcast where Inessa and Brian talk about the X-Men comics. He's reading them again as an adult, she's reading them for the first time. So grab your back issues out of their Mylar bags, and let's talk about the greatest comic book series ever, the X-Men. Welcome back. We are back after an extended-ish hiatus. Hiatus, yeah. So hi from hiatus. Uh, <laughs> that... You're the, okay. Um, <laughs> I almost want to start over. The, this is the X-Men Files, uh, the podcast where a sad person makes you sad. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we're going to launch into the episode recap. We don't need to get into why we're on hiatus, but we were on hiatus and now we are on hiatus. We are, yes. We are we're no low longer. We, are <laughs> we have returned. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's uh, let's recap this motherfucker. Yes. Uh, bah, bah, bah. issue 180. Shift how I'm sitting so I can hit the microphone and also read my recap. All right. Diligently written. Diligently written. Written with great diligence. Uh, boots on top of over the knee leg warmers <laughs> on top of jeans <laughs> in the middle of a swirling gust of wind can mean only one thing. We're back in the 80s and we're talking about the X Men. This issue poses the question, whose life is it anyway? But before we address that question, we've got a few of our own. <laughs> For openers, what's with the head and wristbands and socks pulled over Xavier's calves? Were the 80s really cold or something? <laughs> Does it have to do with the ozone layer? Speaking of padding, what's the need for all the floor mats next to the basketball goal in the far court? Oh, I didn't notice that. And finally, why are the spectator seats in some sort of closed-off luxury box? <laughs> Moving on. We get a reference to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but not at all because of his well-known comics fandom. Turns out he was also a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> did you know that? <laughs> I did. I did, did you know that he used to play basketball? I think basketball? I'd heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dr. AJ. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, that's yeah. what they called him. Uh, all right. All this fun gets interrupted by another of Xavier's splitting headaches. Charles hits the deck and Araro appears to check on him. We learned that Xavier loved the team sports in his youth, but gave it up because his mental abilities gave him an unfair advantage. Next, he checks in with Araro to discuss the mohawk in the room. She lets her guard down a bit <laughs> and speaks candidly about her ongoing effort to figure herself out, allowing for the possibility that she might be a bit crackers. Xavier gives her a quick mind meld and sets her at ease. <laughs> Would that it were so simple. Meanwhile, Kitty and Doug Ramsey are playing a video game that looks like a mashup between Joust and Missile Command. Ask your parents. Their smooth command of primitive, but actually really, really cool, technology overloads the pre-386 computer, and the owner of the arcade chases them out. They wander through the mall to a McDonald's, where they split three hamburgers. <laughs> also, Kitty is wearing a headband. Man, we loved to accessorize back yeah. then. <laughs> I don't remember so many actual headbands actually back in the 80s i remember them appearing in movies yeah and yeah, yeah. okay uh there's chatting and hand holding between kitty and doug but i thought she was peter's squeeze mm -hmm. i also have questions speaking of peter he's engaging in one of claremont's favorite x by the way x hyphen yeah extracurricular activities <laughs> removing a tree on the grounds of the estate wolverine is engaging in one of his favorite activities drinking a beer and smoking <laughs> Day drinking. Yeah. They're both engaging in one of this reader's favorite activities, talking rather than throwing punches. And what are they talking about? 
Colossus is jealous of Doug, a feeling made worse by Peter feeling insecure about being nearly a Russian peasant. Wolverine tells him to get over himself. <laughs> Roro is in the Bronx at the Botanical Gardens, visiting some plants that she's donated. It's all nice and idyllic when she stumbles upon an attempted robbery and rape. <laughs> some old people. <laughs> being carried out by um, the Rusher Street Rebels. Anyway, she kicks her collective ass and tosses one of them into a bush of poison oak. What's that doing at the Botanical Gardens? <laughs> she caps things off with a scary show of lightning. A little too scary, perhaps, as she winds up freaking out the old couple she just saved. <sighs> Back at the mansion, Xavier has convened a meeting to talk about Doug Ramsey. He's been accepted to the Massachusetts Academy, last seen in issues 151-152. Not subnoted. Uh, not subnoted, footnoted. Not yeah. footnoted. Yeah. They footnoted something else, but... Yeah. We recall that this place is run by the Hellfire Club. The X-Men decide that the risk is low as Emma Frost is in a coma. Uh, after that, Kitty walks through the mansion and muses about stuff when she's pulled out the window by a strong wind. Mm -hmm. She and Aurora have a heart-to-heart, -heart, and Kitty decides to cut Aurora some slack about the mohawk and the leather and the shift in moral compass. <laughs> she seems very focused on the mohawk and the leather. Well, yeah, okay. Uh, more on that later. Kitty and Doug board a plane bound for Massachusetts. Emma Frost appears on the last page, but I'm caught up in why they drive all the way to LaGuardia to fly to probably Boston. <laughs> I also wondered. It's not that long of a drive. Yeah, I wondered why they were flying. Perhaps Xavier only has the Rolls Royce, which he and the other X-Men take to Central Park. Specifically, they're headed to Sheep Meadow, which is apparently the name of that part of the park. Uh, that's like the big photogenic thing, and whenever you see a picture of Central Park, that's pretty much the, the that shot that you see. Is... Yeah, exactly. Huh. Yeah. Easily the most photogenic spot there. There's a big alien thingy do which they all enter into and then enter into which they all enter and then instantly disappear. Disappear. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> okay, so that was uh, that was the recap. Um, I, I feel my energy picking up ever so slightly after that. Um, oh. So my, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no. My first question. I love this issue. Cool. But my that's first not a question, question. That's not a question. Yes. As I've learned in kindergarten. My first question yes. is, who the fuck is Doug? Who is he? Am I supposed to know him? Doug Ramsey has appeared before. He has been mentioned before. Huh. Um. I... I'm tempted to say that he, he makes more of an appearance in The New Mutants, but I want to say that's not so. Yeah. Uh, he has been mentioned before. He is... Like, like they mention him... She, Kitty mentions him when Peter is looking for a parking space in Alphabet City when they're going to Lincoln Center. <laughs> um, I was so confused by yeah. who he... Like, I moment... First, I was like, so is he one of the... Like, is he one of the, the New Mutants? Yeah. Then, Not yet. then I was Spoilers. like, no, then I actually momentarily thought maybe I had skipped an issue and went back yeah. to make sure that the last issue was the last one that I had actually read. Yeah. Um, I was extremely confused by who Doug was and what all the sort of, uh, you know, zoom in. There was like the, the zoom in on the hand holding where there's like one frame and they're like right. holding hands and then like the next frame. Yeah. You can't see me, listener, but I'm. Leaning in towards right, Brian right, right, right. to demonstrate now, what that the was, zoom was, that in was on the him, hand Because like, they were splitting three hamburgers and Doug wanted both. <laughs> yeah. 
think. He wanted two. <laughs> wanted yeah. two, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, he gets mentioned. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back and look. Um, you, you may see him physically in uh, prior issues. He may show up in the New Mutants physically at this time. I don't know. So is he? Is he? I guess we are to assume that that he is romantically interested in Kitty, but Kitty is unaware or also romantically interested in him or just you can draw your own conclusions about that at this point um i I know what happened well i know certainly in the near term what's going to happen with with everybody romantically and i'm not going to say more than that okay um other than to say fair point i i because i'm aware of who doug ramsey is uh it didn't connect to me that although he's mentioned i probably picked up on that because i know that he's a character right um. Uh, yeah, but he's he's a kid, and I, I, and like fair question that um you know how is it that he shows up on the X Men's like social radar? This is the issue where we find out that he's a mutant, but right. prior to that we didn't know. Right, like uh, is he uh, like a you know a friend of Kitty's from uh, Northbrook that has you know yeah. relocated with his Deerfield. parents? He's from Deerfield. Whatever. Whatever? To, yes, okay. whatever. All right, well, whatever, man. <laughs> I'm from there, and I feel like I can really say whatever. That's like saying that, like, uh, Crescent Hill is the same thing as St. Matthew's. I mean, it doesn't make any sense at all. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if anyone from Northbrook or Deerfield yeah. wants to argue with me on that point, I will fight you. I want to see that fight. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see like you just get ready to throw down about that. Where somebody, some other North Shore says, Jew, yeah, it doesn't have to be a Jew, but um, like some North Shore, North Shore, like like, um, are you equating Northbrook and Deerfield? And I will have you know that you know, never the train shall meet. And and then you you say. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, bitch. <laughs> you wanna? I'll fight you. <laughs> I will. And and just like have a they live style ten minute pointless fight scene. Have you seen they live by the way? No. Okay, I've got more to say about John Carpenter later. Um, if I can remember to, do. I, I can't remember like like anything that's happened to me in the past five minutes. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, my that's mind okay. is wandering. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. So Doug Ramsey. They mention at one point that, that he's also in the dance class, um, Steve's dance class, and that might be the social uh, connection. Yeah, I don't remember that. And yeah. it's easily overlooked um, in your first read through the comics. So, like, doesn't he have questions about, like, what Kitty is, like, where are her parents? Why do you, why do you live <laughs> why in that house with all those grown-ups? Yeah. Why don't you go to school? <laughs> <laughs> you know? is, it, is it a sex thing? Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean... You're pretty like, young. <laughs> right, right. I mean, like, are you being trafficked? <laughs> They're giving yeah. you a lot of liberty. We yeah, spent was, all day hanging out. We yeah. got to McDonald's. Um, yeah, it was, it was the 80s. You know, no one was really <laughs> keeping track of their kids. Yeah, but, even uh, even back then, that's that's a little tough. Uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he, I, I think this part, uh, you know, th- this era of the X-Men, uh, let me take a step back. So Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters yeah. is the name of Xavier's mansion. And yeah. it is, to the outside world, this very exclusive sex ring. <laughs> very exclusive. Private school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I think that... The, the, exclusive sex ring. <laughs> 
This is part of that, yeah, like like the you know the wide open yeah. you know, <laughs> ladies' night at the uh, at the at the, uh, at the sex club. Um, uh, what was I going to say? It, it, and, and that's like back to when the comic came out first started in the 60s right um so probably things like okay it, it's just this thing and like the adult members of the x-men first of all there were not adult members of the x-men when it started re- right re- really until the new x-men right until you get like that uh, you know giant size x-men like those characters um a lot of the silver age x-men they're they're all like nineteen right. and yep, seventeen. Right. Like I, I want to say, there's an issue where Bobby Drake turns seventeen. Mm-hmm. Bobby Drake, Iceman. Right. Uh, yeah, Warren Warren Worthington Money yeah. Urson is also a, a kid. Yeah. Right. Right. And and so even even if they're under eighteen, or rather, even if they're over eighteen, they still think like, well, okay, it's like it's sort of college. Mm-hmm. Um, quick aside. Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate. I've seen that movie about three times, and I love that movie three, mm-hmm. four times. The first time that I saw it, I didn't know what he was graduating from. <laughs> so I was so confused. It's like, <laughs> like uh... did, he, did he graduate high school? Was it a boarding school? He's back. Was it like a two-year thing? And Because gonna... they seem like, what are you going to do next? <laughs> but he seems kind of old. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know how old Dustin Hoffman was. Uh, like, he was not like super old. No, but um, like he's obviously not graduating from high school. Like, like he yeah. was at the weird. Like he was twenty. It yeah. looked like he was twenty. So like he graduated at the age of twenty. Is he really smart or really dumb? <laughs> I couldn't figure yeah. that out. He graduating from right. a trade program. Like, yeah, college. Yeah, yeah. Affluent, like like post doctorate. Yeah. Is he going to law school? Is that what they're saying? What are you doing next? Um, the adult-ish X-Men are a little like Dustin Hoffman, right. <laughs> where they're they're in this temporal nether zone. So people say like, "Oh yeah, I'm at uh, Xavier School." You look like you're 27. <laughs> well, unless you're Wolverine, in which case, like, <laughs> right. are you the custodian? <laughs> school that's elitist like, that's that's really yeah like the uh you know the guy always sitting out back drinking the custodian uh, well we're, we're like the guy the groundskeeper in, 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 yeah, yeah no like the guy in queen's gambit that this is how we'll spend that we, we saw the first episode of queen's gambit which guy oh the, yeah i did i did custodian. Slept, uh, yeah it was custodian well he was also a really good chess player no i'm not saying that wolverine isn't a really good chess player yeah you take one look at a custodian and you think no, that guy's never playing chess I would but not um, think you know, that. the queen's gambit will uh set you straight there it will set me straight okay yeah. cool all right i fell asleep for the by the way n- n- nice save <laughs> from me <laughs> Okay. Uh, Doug Ramsey. All right, we've, yes. we've 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 <laughs> fully explored and explained that. I'd written down who is Doug with an underline, and then in the next line it says, "What is Kitty wearing?" Oh, like like throughout the thing. Yeah, because at first cover. I was like, I kind of didn't really pay much attention to. Then I'm like, wait a second, I need to really look at this and get to the bottom yeah. of this costume across yeah. multiple pages. I guarantee you that I could find either a TV show or a movie where someone is wearing something. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. From that time period. Like I, I, yeah. I mean, okay. It, it still is really weird. <laughs> so, so much bunchy fabric. Yeah. <laughs> Just so many things bunching. There was the other one. Um, we, We've seen some of these, like the really wide cut. Actually, you're almost doing it right now. You're, you're, 
uh, listeners, uh, she, she she's like you, you were scratching your shoulder and, and like you you moved your shirt like like the really oh, the, like yeah, the, weird... the flash dance yeah 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 those things yeah you the flash the dance things were like the really long or, or really peekaboo whatever. peekaboo shoulder. Yes, yes, the peekaboo shoulder. Yeah, I, th- I think we've seen some of that. Yeah, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, and like like in the casual wear, um, <laughs> the um, superhero casual wear department. No, no, like when they're not, you know, when they're not in their costumes. Uh, I miss the you know, like circa nineteen eighty stuff. Like around in, in, in like the one fifties and the one forties, especially Aurora had some really really awesome yeah her outfits, costumes at the know. at the beginning of my time with the X Men. Uh, there yeah, were some issues where her yeah. costumes were amazing. Yeah, uh, I yeah. don't really mind her in, in the leather and the jeans. No, no, no. It's a, it's a departure and um, you know thematically there are all sorts of narrative reasons and, and also just stylistically uh, that kind of late seventies early eighties thing was was giving way yeah. to that just bananas <laughs> like nineteen eighty four you know circa nineteen eighty four yeah. look yeah. Flash but, um, dance and all that shit. But Kitty's never. I mean, Kitty's been a fashion disaster pretty much from the beginning. Yeah, like yeah. in her street clothes, you know. Right. Yeah. If she right. like her superhero clothes or you know whatever, but her street clothes have been pretty pretty awful. Yeah. From yep. the get go. But yeah, I, I do miss Aurora's like cool flowy outfits. Yeah, nice necklaces and yeah. Uh, yeah, things like that. Um, all right, so Wolverine and Peter. Yeah. Wolverine's drinking a Canadian beer. I don't know if you noticed that. Wait a minute. I, I'm going to look into yep. this. Yes. Because uh, I love Canada. And then Peter, <laughs> just, I laughed when Peter got to the when he said like, uh, you know that that, that they <laughs> that they would already be married and raising a family. I wrote down in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is okay to marry fourteen year old. In Russia, pre-adolescent girl marry you. <laughs> yeah, he's drinking a Molson. Yeah. Uh, does Molson? So also, he's drinking a Molson, which was brewed in Quebec. I suppose actually they're they're in New York, so that that, that tracks. Yeah. So I don't know where Molson's brewing operations are, but yep. uh, hats off to him. Um, I'm reading. Uh, I'm catching up finally on the pre-Dark Phoenix saga Claremont uh, run on the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I've, I've read some of those like kind of hit or miss, and so I'm, I'm filling in the cracks, um, and just read possibly for the first time uh, their first encounter with Alpha Flight, mm-hmm. which is a Canadian superhero team, and, and reading the uh, Jason Powell bits about this. And so John Byrne is Canadian, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Jason Powell like, Fiercely patriotic, John Byrne. <laughs> uh, and you look at that. So Alpha Flight is you know, Canada's first superhero team. And I, I wonder whether that actually did bleed into the, irony aside, pretty genuine affection that I have for Canada. <laughs> I mean, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but actually, Canada's awesome. Yeah, what's not to like about it's, Canada? It's like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's cold, I guess. Yeah, I but guess. I, you know, I've been there a few but times. They don't complain about it. Yeah, and, and it's pretty great. <laughs> and, yeah, um, they're, they're, so, a good, they're a good neighbor. Thanks, yeah, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so John Byrne has the superhero team, and then Alpha Flight got their own series, uh, which Byrne wrote and draw wrote and drew for a while, uh, which I also really liked. And mm-hmm. it, just reading those those issues, like like they're in Calgary, and so it opens up with some narration that you know, Byrne 
it, I mean, I don't know who did, but sort of hyping up the Calgary Stampede, like, you, know, you know, the world's biggest blah, blah, blah event. And like, like here it is, you know, Calgary, the site of it. Oh. <laughs> it makes it sound like, like, huh, yeah, Calgary, we should check it out. Yeah. <laughs> he did that in Alpha Flight as well. Uh, there's, there's this beautifully drawn scene of, you know, uh, Ottawa, you know, uh, Canada's yep. prestigious capital, capital and yeah. like, here it is, you know, the parliament city, building, yeah. you know, the seat of power of <laughs> Canada. Yeah, man, Canada's Canada. Maybe, where I it's mean, at. I think that's, that may have <laughs> impacted your yeah. adult view of Canada, although, again, it's hard to dislike Canada. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, Everyone that we know that's Canadian. I even kind of well. like that they speak French. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nice. We yeah. had a great time in Canada. We had a very good go, time. You should go uh, tourist tourist canada it's probably a pretty short flight from wherever you are go to montreal yep. great time montreal great time in neat. montreal uh so logan is drinking a canadian beer and um uh i was trying to come up with some really awful canadian slang and i got nothing he he, he he's not a hoser <laughs> he's drinking a canadian beer <clears throat> i'm forgetting what is it that why is Peter, why, why are Peter, are Peter and Kate, or Peter and Kitty, like, on a, are they on a break? Like, what is? That, I, I had to kind of check my memory yeah. on that as well. I don't, and this feels a little bit forced. Um, Kitty did the whole thing with Caliban so that. He could, right, so that she could right. free him. And he seems jealous of Doug. But she also seems kind of matey with Doug. So, you know, is it like, is he yeah. just being jealous? Is she sort of like, you know what, I don't need all this drama? Or, you know, more likely, is this just a plot device to come up with a reason to send her off to the, you know, to to, to, to whatever is about to happen between her and, and Emma Frost? Yeah. Uh, the answer is, I think, all of the above. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm not sure how much, uh, of the Jason Powell you've read. I forgot to read the Jason Powell for this okay, issue. Okay, cool. Um, and even beyond Jason Powell, this is something that, uh, is an element in the relationship between Chris Claremont and, um, Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief at, at Marvel at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we've mentioned this in, in a prior, uh, episode, Shooter was not wild about the, the right. statutory rapey <laughs> aspect of that relationship. Right. Uh, and at one point he said to Claire, like, you got to cut it out. Right. Fair. <laughs> um, and so uh, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this because actually this is maybe not such a bad thing. Um, at the end of this issue... All of the X-Men enter the alien thingamadoo. Right. Uh, as do a lot of other Earth heroes okay. and supervillains. Okay. They're all being taken away to a 12-issue limited series <laughs> uh, called The Secret Wars. Okay. Kitty doesn't go with them. Right. While they're gone, and The Secret Wars is written by Jim Shooter. Yeah. While they are gone, Colossus meets another woman and falls in love with her before she dies. Hmm. Because she's only there <laughs> to, uh, yeah, is only there to have Colossus question his feelings for Kitty. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so we get this foreshadowing and y y narratively it's a little bit clumsy at this stage. Mm -hmm. um, but this is building us up to Colossus is going to dump her. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not do any of my usual uh, yeah. thorough thorough research <laughs> that I do for this yeah. podcast. Yeah. I just yeah. read the issue and made, you know, almost an entire page of notes. Holy cow, that is a lot. Whoa. Yeah. And it go- she's still flipping through pages. No, I'm not. There's she's... just one page. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. I've already talked about who Doug is. <laughs> uh, I've already talked about Wolverine day drinking, marrying a 14-year-old in Russia, uh, you had mentioned that the the hoodlums were threatening to rape this uh, little old lady in in, in curlers. <laughs> yeah, I, that was weird. I, I don't, don't want to pick up that. No, no, I mean we all. don't need to pick it up. But why, it was why, weird. Yeah. Gosh, why would you rape her? I mean, that's just like a such a dumb fucking yeah, yeah, yeah um, a little disturbing. Uh, yeah, that is weird. Charles uh, noticing uh, allegedly for the first time that Aurora was actually kind of hot. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I, I'd forgotten all about that. I, I didn't, in summarizing the issue, I didn't go into a lot of detail about sort of, sort of the um, mental and emotional stuff within the dialogue. But right. yeah, he does say like, hey, huh. <laughs> Yeah, when she was dressed sort of late 70s, uh, yeah, stylishly, pants, but yeah. like, now that she switched over to leather. Yeah, <laughs> this bondage gear is really working yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, bondage gear, by the way, is a uh, a Claremontism. A, that is what that is a Claremont, a, a well recognized Claremont trope. Huh. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I saw a YouTube video uh, while you were uh, you were and our son were out at lunch. I watched. It's like a thirteen minute video. I made a few ten minutes of it because <laughs> I thought it came down and and it, it was. It, 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 long story short. I got the gist of it, but right. it was it was a pretty funny uh, video. Uh, this guy talking about um, Claremont tropes, mm-hmm. and there are a number of them uh, in terms of like plot and, and and aesthetics, but also like like actual dialogue. Uh, Nigh invulnerable yeah. is one of his uh, <laughs> uh, verbal ticks. Also, um, quarter none asked, none given. <laughs> so body and soul happens a bunch. Um, but like bondage gear is something that will appear kind of a lot. Like stylistically, you mean like the, yeah. not yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about it, but, but actually what the people are wearing. Right, right, right. It, bondage in, in like a, in a fashion sense. Right. Like if you're like, you know, like a lot of like punk fashion, yeah. it, it takes its cues from, from bondage, you know, like leather and you know, studs and, you know, the, the sort of the, the Rob Halford, Judas Priest right. <laughs> kind of, kind of, so, God, whoa, 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 shit, I had, um, oh, oh, the point of the video was he mentions all of these tropes and then he says, okay, so now we're going to conduct a little experiment. I'm going to go to the comic shop. I'm going to buy a back issue of the X-Men at random and bring it back here. And I'm going to do a shot for every time. Because <laughs> there are like five, at least five tropes <laughs> per issue. And it, it's the kind of, in execution, it winds up being a little bit less funnier than it is uh, yeah. conceptually. But I'm, I'm on board with the concept. <laughs> and so the guy's like, yeah, it's, it's issue. It's, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I didn't get to the end of it. I mean, I, he, he was... Through his sixth shot. I was going to say, three Comics shots. Comics don't take that long to read. You can stop watching after he has the yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, if, if I do, like, six shots and I'm not even done with a comic book, I mean, even for me. That's a lot. That's, yeah. like, I'm I'm going to be taking I'm gonna a have a Yeah, I'm going to have a bad, <laughs> I'm going to have a bad afternoon. going to have a bad time. <laughs> um, Claremontism's bondage. Yes. 
Yeah, ever since uh, Aurora started wearing the bonnet, it's like, stuff. hey, yeah. it's, it's working for me. Yeah, she she she, she went that like kind of Grace Jones direction. Yeah, and now I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> now I'm into it. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, I I loved coming back to the beginning. Uh, I like this issue because it was one of my favorite kinds where they talk a bunch and yep. uh and i love aurora and uh, i want her to have her own movie franchise and i am happy that her and kitty talked although you know i haven't been super sympathetic with kitty's uh complaints all of these issues that yeah. i found them a little bit annoying um, i i am sympathetic yeah. because i i was i i absolutely identified with her reaction at the time yeah uh, I, I felt similarly. My and you'll, you, I mean, they're going to publish the letters that they want to publish. But um, yeah, when I saw, it, I was like, "Hey, what the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? What's with the Mohawk? You were That's supposed to dumb. be all yeah, Earth mothery, and now you don't care about killing people and right. you know, yeah, right. Heavy, heavy hangs the head that wears the crown of uh, being the leader of the X Men. Who's the villain in the Araro, uh spinoff film series that you want to do? It's got to be like a white dude. And she has to like just absolutely kick his ass. The villain in the Aurora spinoff film series yeah. is uh, was that guy from Murder World? Arcade. Yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. No. Uh, Arcade. I've got a weird uh, like. I don't want to see him get his ass kicked. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking like a uh, you know, so, some <sighs> about the guy that kidnapped uh, what's her name, uh, Belasco. Hmm, maybe. The guy that kidnapped Ileana? No, I want her to be like some sort of like anti-racist, anti-colonial, anti-patriarchal. That's a big, that's, <laughs> sort of a, big, that's a big remit for, uh, yeah. Have, have you been to America lately? <laughs> There's plenty, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm trying not to say like, like, like Matt Gates will be, like, he'll be the villain. I just want to watch Raro kick the shit out of that guy. There's like a political, uh, isn't there a political sort of baddie? There is, but you're you're talking about like people within within the comic itself. You, yes. you could you could create an actual villain. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm not a creative. I, mean, I, I, I would say um, not like that. Um God damn it! Um, who's Andy Circus in? <sighs> yeah, what's the guy's name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, my brain is not functioning at all. Anyway, um, yeah. him. I can't remember his name. Like, like he's a great one because uh, I mean it could be like. like He's even within the Marvel universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of that kind of person. Um, and it could be Aurora going back to Kenya and uh, some sort of anti-colonial thing. I mean, we've already got a lot of that done yeah. very, very well in Black Panther. Right. <laughs> but uh, so you, you wouldn't want to overlap with that too, too much. Um, this is all that I want to talk about for like the next uh, for the next half hour. The Aurora has been a film series, and that's usually a sign that I need to I need to knock it off because uh, you know just watching me stream of consciousness um, is fun for me. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. but you know, but I'll, I'll I'll hit pause on that, and we may come back to it if we find that we're out of gas. Uh, you want to talk about John Carpenter as well? Um, I do, but do we have anything else that we want to say about I this know, issue? I don't know. I don't have loads more. I love this issue. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Good. I, I did too. Um, I, I did, I, yeah. It had been a little while since I had read anything, and so it felt like a nice, uh, you know, thought-provoking yeah. kind of return to, to some old friends instead of just yeah. a bunch of people, you know, punching each other, which is also enjoyable, but that this kind of too, yeah. gave me some emotional... Uh, it, catharsis isn't the right word, but, uh, you know, some emotional sure. sort of resonance, yep. uh, especially the conversation between Kitty and, and Aurora. Um, and 
Ugh, I don't want to get into this. As, you know, as as a parent, is that kind of resonance? And we don't want to go into detail, obviously, but um, it, a little bit. I mean, okay, yeah. a little bit. Okay, cool. But more I, just I, like as a as a as a person, person kind of what Aurora's yeah. going through and kind of what she's trying to figure out felt very moving. You know, yeah. has felt moving for me. But sort of having a whole some time dedicated to discussing that some page space dedicated to, to her kind of discussing what her what she's going through felt emotive emotionally resonant to me emo emo um cool i i absolutely agree um i, I enjoyed this very much uh, when i read it the first time i'm not sure uh it might not have uh seemed like as much of a peak, you know, mm-hmm. peak in a relative sense. Not like, um, he's had better issues, but this is a, this is a good one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like now I read it, I'm like, this is great. Man. Yeah. I, I, I would read 400 issues of this. Right, right, right. Also and, a good sort of setup to whatever is about to happen. You know, obviously yeah, we're about to so get much. some more. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're about to get some more action, but. but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of setup, actually, you're going to find that, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this uh, for you. Um, narratively, we're not quite going to gel for a little bit. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have the same thing like like the Brood saga, you know, those sorts of arcs. We're not going to hit those for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, even like the next one is going to be a, a, a self-contained. We may get a few kind of self-contained issues. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all good, but I. If we're thinking like this is all building up to something, no, actually, and and that's and that's maybe maybe a great thing. Mm. Do we need to read the twelve issue Jim Shooter thing? You don't for a number of reasons. Okay. Um, <laughs> number one, because I've already told you the most significant thing that happens uh, as respect to the X Men. Right. Uh, two, you don't need to read it because it isn't very good mm. um, artistically or uh, in terms of the writing. Okay, well then I won't um, read it. I am a Jim Shooter apologist. I am an unapologetic Jim Shooter apologist. <laughs> the Secret Wars does not make a any case for him having really fantastic creative Fair. instincts. Yeah. You know, we're not all creatively instinctive. Well, no, he, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. he wrote a bunch of comics and I think that um, as editor-in-chief... He presided over my favorite era of Marvel Comics, mm-hmm. bar none, including the Lee and Kirby era. Mm-hmm. I think that the early 80s is an absolute creative peak for comics. Mm-hmm. And Jim Shooter deserves some of the credit for that. Sure. Um, he also deserves some of the blame for having alienated some of those talents. Um Watch this really cool documentary that that you and I are going to yeah. watch again. Uh, and and Claremont does not look back with any kind of fondness for Jim Shooter right, right. because they they butt heads. Um, among other things, it was Shooter who said Jean Grey has to die. That was a good decision mm-hmm. that Claremont and Byrne were really pissed off about. Mm-hmm. Um. What the creators don't like about Jim Shooter making decisions like that is that he would absolutely enforce them mm-hmm. and say, like, 
this this creative right. thing and like breaking up Kitty and Peter. I agree with that too. Right. Uh, but you will find this kind of tension between what people like Claremont are doing and Jim Shooter enforcing that decision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he also was a-okay with Jean Grey coming back. Right. Uh, he didn't come up with the idea. Um, and that was a betrayal because he had said to Claremont, like, she's dead. She's going to stay dead. <laughs> um, and no and, one in comics stays dead. Yeah. 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 And, and Claremont was really pissed off about that. And I'm on Claremont's side sure. for that one. Um, so you don't need to read the secret wars. Okay. We won't, we will not be reading the secret wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Period. Okay. Yeah. It's really, boy, it's mediocre. Okay. Um, other questions before we get into John Carpenter? I don't have any other questions. I look forward to next week's issue. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say about this. Um, I may have, I may have said it last time. Uh, John Romita Jr., JRJ, doing really fantastic work. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if I said it off of the podcast. Because we actually talk about the comic not on the podcast. From time to time. <laughs> From we time do, to time. We do, and then we say we should save this to talk about on the podcast, and then yeah. we forget. Yeah. But um, this stuff is, I, I mean, I enjoy a, a lot of these about as well as I do Paul Smith, mm-hmm. which for me is incredibly high price. Um, and I've, I'm like about three issues ahead because I was, I read this one and I'm like, I'm really into this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to see what I'm happens next. Yeah. Keep the party going. And <laughs> so I'm, I'm like about three or four issues ahead. Uh, and I, I still want to keep going because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. this is this is a really fantastic, um, fantastic period of time with the X Men. Yeah, cool, cool. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. So we watched Big Trouble in Little China on Friday. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep. Yeah, it was. Me. I don't know. It was a little weird. I was. Yeah, I enjoyed the weirdness. The weirdness was good. I didn't mind the weirdness. Yeah. In the plot, but, like, I don't, I often don't like that style of, like, really, um, purposely bad. I guess they weren't really being, like, that sort of campy acting style. I don't care for it. It tires me out pretty, pretty quickly. It's, like, really hard for me to, Mm -hmm. um fall into the story because i'm like super you must want to punch johnny depp on the balls i mean that's sometimes he's he's a massive multi-millionaire on the basis of by his own description uh kind of kind of like like aping um i don't know it's not that it's just like something about the way that i don't know it's i because johnny depp i i sometimes i do but not 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 as often as i wanted to punch everybody in that movie in the Mm. balls Wow. Yeah. Even the people that don't have balls. Even the people that don't have balls. It was just really hard for me to follow whatever sort of minimal plot they had. But right. it also wasn't necessarily, like, fun or funny enough to keep my attention Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. I, I, that is a film where it has, it's kind of, it, I think it's meant to have a built-in defense about plot. Because, oh, really? You're concerned about that? Well, no, but... It, you know, if the plot is very, very basic, and Big Trouble in Little China has a very basic plot, right? 
you have to have something else with it. And there were some interesting visuals. Um, it needed to be funnier. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, Kurt Russell, I didn't mind a bit. No, and he, he was, was doing okay. a very stylized yeah. acting uh, where he was kind of doing a John Wayne yes. riff, uh, which I thought was um, kind of charismatic. Mm-hmm. Charming was yeah, the word yeah. that I wanted. Yeah, he was there. okay. Um, Kim Cattrall, I didn't, I didn't mind as much uh, as you did. The white woman that they got to play, the Chinese woman, <laughs> kind of... <laughs> I haven't, I haven't Googled that. I mean, and forgive me if I'm getting that wrong. I don't think I am. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, yeah. Like. They certainly yeah. had loads of Chinese. Oh, yeah. Loads actors. of. Actors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Male yeah. people. Yeah, the dude. I got, yeah. Oh, man. I, I, uh, he was in Blade Runner, too. He's one of the best scenes in Blade Runner. Um, that actor. I got to look it up. But, um. Yeah, and, there that, was, and there was also, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you. And there was, like, just enough, like, kind of, like, grotesque imagery that. It is that also sort of uh, yeah, kind of took me it. out of it. Yeah, yeah. So the grotesque imagery. All right. So grotesque imagery was interesting to me. Uh, I've been on an '80s kick for movies lately. Yeah. And by the way, check find me on Letterboxd.com, and you'll see my list of great films of the '80s. Um, <laughs> I'll share that with you if you uh, <laughs> thanks. If you want to. Um, and so like, last Saturday, you know, I had the place to myself. And so I watched like four movies and I, I made sure that they were all from the 80s. Mm-hmm. One of them that I saw was uh, The Thing. And it, it's funny because I, I, I had thought that I was aware of John Carpenter's oeuvre, but apparently not. Apparently just on the basis of how much I love Escape from New York, I presume that he's this kind of 80s low culture auteur. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> anymore yeah i feel like i I don't know hardly anything about about john carpenter but somehow that idea of kind of like weird or grotesque imagery was something that i had sort of been aware of i don't know based on what Um, well i mean he the thing has loads of that yeah uh kind of body horror and um body dysmorphia and and, and weird you know like like melted shit <laughs> you know you Not know thing, a, a yeah. face with two mouths and you know, you know creepy shit like that um the thing was a movie that was all right i think it's worth watching i thought that i was going to enjoy it more more yeah yeah right. yeah and live and learn what really my the thing that I enjoyed most about the thing was, and I'm, I'm uh, again, there's another actor's name who, that I can't remember. He, he was on like the last episode of uh, Community. Uh, the black guy, you know who the guy is? Not you, off the top of my. I mean, I don't remember because yeah, my memory okay, is terrible. Anyway, okay. Anyway, um, he was in the thing, and, yeah. and, and I thought like, like holy cow, because uh, like Dan Harmon. Minds 80s culture for right. a lot of what he does, 70s, 80s culture for a lot of what he does. And like, like holy shit, this is why he cast this guy. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit like casting Chevy Chase in Community. Right. Dan Harmon is engaging his inner 10 year old <laughs> to. Uh, As would you for, if you for were act- in his well, position. Well, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Harmon and I, you know, um, were about the same age yeah. and, and similar, similar kind of uh, uh, influences. Uh, and. and Everybody knows this, but just uh, just, Rick and Morty is, of course, the names are from Back to the Future. That's Doc and Marty. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, Rick and Morty. Um, Okay. So, oh, and also like um, 
uh, David Clennon, who was on 30 something, he was in the thing playing a, a play very, very different type. Uh, you know, like I was noticing the actors who mm-hmm. who were there, like, oh wow, that's a, a very youthful looking Wilfred Brimley, and and when that's what I get most out of the film, then just, you know, okay, yeah, 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 John Carpenter, I might not, I might not need more of. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna continue. Oh, oh, they live. God, I'd forgotten all about they live. Yes, yeah, so like they live, and they live is great. I haven't seen it since I saw it in a theater when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he's done two movies that I really really love. I say that I love They Live, but I love They Live. <laughs> but um, I only saw it the one time. Uh, but I really love Escape from New York. Mm. It's a great fucking movie. But I don't know. John Carpenter. Hmm. Big Trouble in Little China does not advance the case. The thing is kind of kind of weak uh, weak support. Yeah. I fell asleep in Big yeah. Trouble for Little China. In Little China. and uh, Big Trouble for Little China. <laughs> I, don't, I do not need to see the end of it. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I've not seen Halloween. Mm. Although I've seen Halloween Part 3 many times because mm. it was one of those that was just ubiquitous on cable mm-hmm. and I watched it over and over again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I dig the music that yeah. uh, John Carpenter does. He's, he's really into music. Too. Mm. Cool. Okay. All right. Um, think... What is our closing thought? You, you need to have a closing thought. Closing thought is that... I don't know. I don't have a closing thought. My closing thought is that I'm happy that we're here doing this today. That will do. All right. We'll see you next time. Say bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the X-Men Files. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. If you listen, please rate us. If you want to drop us a note, you can reach us via email at cerebro at xmenfiles.com. You can also check out our website, xmenfiles.com. Our theme music is Invasion to Space Frog by Checky Brown. That music available under a Creative Commons license. Everything else was written, produced, and performed by Brian and Inessa. <laughs>